Hey, y'all, good morning. I didn't know I was gonna start the sermon like this until about six o'clock this morning when I got a text from my neighbor, Debbie, who's here for the first time. And I wanna quickly tell you how I met Debbie. In 2020, I moved into a new building, um, height of COVID, moved into this big building, lots of floors. And maybe like my third or fourth day in the building, I felt God say, I want you to start a Bible study in your new building. I want you to put up a sign in the elevator. And you know what I said to God? I said, this is why people think you're weird. (laughs) This is so weird. I just moved into this building. I don't want to put a sign in the elevator. Like, what kind of weird person does that, right, for a Bible study? And you know what? Three people answered. And Debbie was one of them. She didn't know me. She didn't know when we were going to meet or what we were going to do, but we met. We started meeting up. Our group met for like six or seven months consecutively, I think. Then things kind of naturally, you know, uh, fizzled out. But we stayed in touch. And now she's at church. And she's coming with us to the retreat in two weeks. So I don't know what that says about answering signs in the elevator. But maybe sometimes you just go for it, right? Email the person. Okay, y'all, we're gonna rock and roll this morning. I do see new faces. In case you missed it, my name is Jasmine. I'm on staff here. Please don't ask me what I do. I never get it right. I just make up things and I leave off half my responsibilities. But I'm so delighted to be with y'all this morning. Um, This morning's message is gonna be a little different from how I normally do things. This morning, we're just gonna walk through scripture. No, No gimmicks, no tricks, just scripture. And last week, Marcy shared a message about uh, a new mindset. We want to take on a new mindset. And this morning, what I want to do is continue thinking about that word new, um, but I want to reframe it in terms of hitting the reset button. Just like starting fresh. I don't know where you are. I don't know if you, you know, came out of the gate on January 1st, but if you didn't and you're still trying to get your beginning together, because we're at the beginning of the year, we're at the beginning of a new study for our church. I know so many people in this church have so many different types of new beginnings. Something came to an end. You're about to start something else. You're looking forward to the new thing you're going to do next. What does it look like to get a good start? in the kingdom of God? How do we goal set? And as we try to answer those questions today, I want us to consider that maybe, just maybe, just maybe, it's not just about what we do, but it's about who we become. So, like I said last week, Marcy kicked us off with a message in Philippians. She covered the first two chapters, and she mentioned that the smart theologian people, I just called them the STPs, the STPs, they say that Philippians is one of the most joyful books in the Bible. And Marcy thought it was important for us to kick off with this book, not only because it's a joyful book, but because it talks about having the same attitude as Jesus. And this spring, it's all about Jesus at this church. That's all we're going to talk about. Who is Jesus? What did he say? Where did he go? What kind of robe was he in? Like, we just want to get into all of those questions. And so before we get there, we're trying to intentionally prepare ourselves. Let's get into the posture. Let's think about what it means to have the same attitude as Christ. 
So this Philippians letter kicks off with all that joy that I just mentioned. Paul is writing to his people. He's like, y'all, what's up? I love you. I pray for you. No, for reals, with a Z. I pray for you every day. And he says, I don't want you to just know the love and the joy that comes from being loved by Jesus or you loving Jesus. I want you to know the love and the joy that comes from you actually following Jesus. So he starts to talk about the example that Jesus laid out before us, and he gives them some examples. He says things like, believe in Jesus. Be willing to suffer for Jesus. Act with humility because of Jesus. And on and on he goes. But by the time we get to chapter 3, which is where we're focused today, lean in, Paul makes a rather interesting confession He says, all that stuff I just told you about, that example of Christ and all those wonderful things we're supposed to do, he says, yeah, um, I actually haven't mastered them myself. I actually haven't perfected this walk at all, but that's not what I'm focused on. I'm forgetting what's behind me. I'm already looking forward to what's ahead, And those words come from our scripture today. So we're going to put them on the screen so we can all read it together. Very short, just two lines. Philippians 3, 13 through 14 says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let me quickly pray. Holy Spirit, I ask that you move and that you help us to apply the truth that comes from your words to our lives. How do we apply this to our lives? How do we see transformation as a result? Help us to hear it, hold it, absorb it now. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Okay, Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Sarah, may I again? Can we have it up? Thank you. Okay, y'all, this is what I call a tried and true scripture. It's quite popular. This is refrigerator magnet stuff, right? If you've been around the church long enough, you've seen it. You've seen this in your grandmother's house somewhere. But why? Let's not look down on your grandma. Why is it popular? I can come up with at least two reasons. Number one, because it's scripture. It's divinely inspired. It's got the Holy Spirit's fingerprints all over it. He wrote that. But number two, I think it's popular because it speaks to something that all of us yearn for from time to time. Maybe you yearn for it several times a day, and that is a chance to start over. This is a fresh start. This is talking about wiping the slate clean. This is talking about a new season, yearning for a new season. And all of us know what it's like to yearn for a new season, especially when it comes to our favorite television shows. You know the feeling. 
you get hooked on a show. You love the characters, writing, background, behind the scenes. You are invested in that thing. You're watching it, you're watching it, and then boom, it comes to an end. And worse, maybe it comes to an end with a cliffhanger. And nothing's wrapped up and nothing's answered. It's not finished at all. And you want to know what happens next. You might not even like the way the season just ended, but you still want to know what happens next. You think to yourself, it can't end like that. And suddenly, it doesn't matter how many episodes you just had. It doesn't matter that you can recall the details of what just happened. You're not really interested in that. That's behind you. You want to know what happens next. There's an end that you're eager to get to. More than likely, you have some cliffhangers in your own life. You have some things from last season, so to speak, They didn't quite wrap up the way that you would have hoped for them to. Or you've got some things you're still waking up with this morning and you're thinking, it can't end like this. There's still more story. Even if something came to an end, if you're sitting here living living and breathing today, there's more story ahead. Today is an invitation for us to get honest with God about exactly where we are. And if we need to, it's an invitation for us to start over, to forget what lies behind and press on to the goal and the prize, like we just sang, the prize of Jesus. We are his portion. He is our prize. And the Bible, if we allow it to, can teach us a lot about what it actually means to forget and teach us how we genuinely, authentically look forward to what's ahead. It's not just a nicety that we say, we're genuinely looking forward ahead with lots of hope. Part of us taking on a new mindset is us understanding we don't have to stay where we are. It's not always gonna be exactly the way that it is right now. And so if you came in this morning with your tank on empty or you need a little bit more gas in the tank, I want you, if nothing else goes home with you, to remember that when it comes to God, he is always offering you a chance to start over in Jesus Christ. And you always get that chance because he forgets your past and he calls you upward to something greater. So that's all we're gonna do with the time we have left. Keep looking at this scripture, breaking it down into two parts. There's the forgetting, and then there's the straining the pressing on. So here we go, part one of this sentence. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. There's Paul's confession all over again. In case you needed the reminder this morning, you are not expected to be perfect. Paul was not perfect. Pastors are not perfect. None of us are perfect. The expectation is not that we would be perfect, but that we would put the effort in, right? That we would surrender ourselves to what God wants to do in us and through us. Now, like all followers of Jesus, Paul had a before and an after with his encounter with Jesus. There was a Paul before he met Jesus, and there was a Paul after he met Jesus, Now, naturally and obviously, his life before he met Jesus needed a lot of improvement. He's a pretty rotten guy. That's not that surprising. 
But Paul is saying, even after, even though I now know Jesus, I know the way to be going, I still need improvement in my life. He finds there's still work to be done, and that's the kind of honesty that I can really get behind. If we can be honest about still needing improvement, we can really start to try to solve for change in our own lives. And one of the things that I like about this church is that this still feels like a place where we can come in and say, I need improvement. And you don't find people that try to isolate you. Instead, you find people that really celebrate your your courage to say it and want to pray with you and really want to get in there with you. I'm going to tell you a really quick story about kind of related to this. Um, Last week, I was talking with Kylea, who's one of our beloved college students who comes from the King's College, and she comes here to work to help us with the production side of things because there's an amazing team that puts all this together. So it had been a while since I'd seen Kylea, and I said, um, hey, Kylea, how was your break? You know, how, how was everything? And, you know, how's your spiritual life and, and all the things? And she said, oh, good. I'm chilling, chilling. And I said, yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm chilling too, yeah. Yeah, chilling. We're all, we're all, all chilling, obviously. Um, but what else? And she said, well, you know, I just, um, things are so good because I realized that I just really can't get overwhelmed by things. I just have to, like, you know, press on and do one thing at a time and just kind of, you know, do the thing that's in front of me and, and do that thing. And I said, wow, this is, is so great. And it's so biblical. I mean, this is exactly what I'm studying for next week's message. And she said, really? That's wild. Because I definitely haven't been reading my Bible. <laughs> And I was like, this is amazing. I, I love you. I, I want to be around 20-year-olds all the time for this reason. Like, that level of honesty. We had a good laugh. We talked about reading the Bible. I'm sure she's back on track. Um, but my point is just that ability to be able to say, whoa, things are a little off the rails right now. So Paul says, there's work to be done, but there's one thing I do. And I want to emphasize the one, because if you look on the screen after one thing I do, a whole bunch of words left, lots of verbs left. But all of it is going to be part of a singular thing that he does. All those words are one thing that he's going to do, and it starts, but it doesn't end with forgetting what lies behind. What exactly do we mean when we say forget what lies behind? If someone says that super casually to me, I'm likely to get a little irritated because I want to take it at face value. So my thought is, number one, it's actually impossible for us to forget what lies behind, isn't it? Like, you know, we're, we're smart people. And then number two, I think to myself, well, some of us have things that we don't want to forget. We have precious people. We have memories, we have experiences that we don't want to forget. Not everything that lies behind us is bad. So when we say forgetting what lies behind, what does it mean? How do we do it? Why would we want to do it in the first place? The Bible can help us answer these questions 
with the word that it uses for forget. And that word is epilithanomai. I practiced that. Epilithanomai, that's the way we're going to say it. Epilithanomai uh, is a Greek word. And it means that you forget not everything, but you forget the things that don't currently serve you. Epilithanomai, according to the smart theologian people, is a conscious choice that you would forget anything that encumbers your ability to run. It means that you let go. So what does that mean, practically speaking? It means your story is still your story. You are who you are. You've gone through the things that you've gone through. The past is still there, but it means you're going to let go of anything from those experiences that threatens to hold you back from your current run. There are things that we have to drop that just don't serve us anymore. It's just extra weight and you don't need it anymore. You can process through the past and then let go of what you no longer need. As Sam was saying in our prayer time this morning, is it shame? Is it resentment? Is it anger? Is it habits? Is it habits, babe? Because we can drop those. And if you're feeling like there's something that's holding you back this morning, something that you need to let go of, but you haven't been able to, then find someone to pray with about it. And I would also encourage you to spend time journaling as well. Sometimes we have to get before God and say, what are you doing? Where am I? Where are you trying to take me? And just do that in the presence of God. When I do it in my own life, I like to call it recapping the season. And I like to talk like a narrator. In, <laughs> on the last episode, right? Like just having that moment with God. And let me tell you, I'm not going to get into it this morning, but I got some cliffhangers in my life. I got some problems, some real pain but when I sit before the Lord and I walk through last season and I'm trying to look for that clarity and why things have worked the way that they have or haven't worked the way that, they, that I would have liked, it's not easy, but it is always worthwhile. And after doing that exercise, I am always fascinated not only by how freeing it is, but how even when I have to sit with the uncomfortable stuff, the hard stuff, the times when I cried. What's interesting is that remembering the details of what happened doesn't keep me from wanting to see what happens next. I need you to get a hold of that. What you saw last year should not keep you from wanting to see what happens next. As long as we have breath, we're going to have stuff that needs forgetting. As long as we have breath, we're going to have stuff that no longer serves us, and we're going to have stuff that we're going to have to press onto anyway. But here's the good news. This forgetting that I'm speaking of actually goes both ways. We're not the only ones that forget. God also forgets. God chooses not 
to recall our wrongs. He knows everything. He can recall all the details. He can recap the season perfectly, but he chooses to forget. He puts our sin so far from us. You got up waking, you woke up this morning thinking about it, but he's already trying to put it so far from you. He forgets, he forgives, he moves on. And you and I might have doubts about what's gonna come in the next season because we're so hyper aware of all the places where we've missed the mark. All the places where we haven't mastered it. And so we have a doubt about what the future holds. How could God be really, really good to me knowing how I, and you fill in the blank. It might not even be stuff that's super far away, right? And in your, in your deep past, it might be something from yesterday, something you're still doing even after knowing Christ. But God is not basing what happens in the next season on what has already happened. He forgets. He forgets about the parts you haven't mastered and you haven't perfected. And he's looking ahead and calling you into something bigger. And I'm so grateful for that. Because there are times where I'm stuck. And I know there are times where you're stuck. But God doesn't leave us there. When we're in these gray January days, they say these days are like the saddest days. Like if you, you know, if you, you look at the calendar year, this is when people are saddest. This is when people are feeling, uh, you know, not that motivated, right? This is what we have to be reminded of. There's still something else on the way. And so the whole point of doing all this, reflecting on the past, letting go of the things that don't serve us, we do it because we want to prepare for the future. And so after we've done that work, now we're ready for the second half. We're ready to press on to the goal and the prize of Jesus. Now that we're about to talk about goals, let me say, I love planners and I love lists and getting organized. But this year, I'm challenging myself, and I'm, I'm challenging you as well, because I don't want to do it alone. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm challenging us to ask, not just what does God want me to do, but who does he want me to become? Our time here is pretty short, and at the end of your life, people are not going to talk about what you do. They're going to talk about who you were. If it doesn't feel ambitious enough, um, you know, to say, well, we can't forget about the goals and we got to talk about who we're becoming, just, just, just hear me out. I recently stumbled upon this church that's in California, and this church is um, going to spend the next year just walking slowly through Scripture and examining their lives before God. They call it the intentional year. And I happened to listen to week one of this study that they're doing. And so in the first week, the pastor said, before we do anything else, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to shift into a new mindset. And so I was like, oh, this is great. This is what our church is going to be talking about. Let me pay attention. And he said, if you really want to shift your mindset, you should study Jesus. And I thought, ooh, boom, mic drop. And he said, you study Jesus if you really want to shift your mindset because when you study Jesus, you start to see and you start to shift your mindset from productivity to fruitfulness. 
I feel the Holy Spirit and I feel like taking my shoes off, but I'm not gonna do it. We're gonna end church on time today. We're talking about shifting only from thinking about productivity to fruitfulness, not just looking for how much we can do, but for what kind of fruit we're bearing. Now, usually if we're talking about a fresh start, I say, let's start over. Woo, let's just start a new week. Woo, here we go. What's the first thing you do? You start thinking about things you can do, you know? Okay, let me go to the store, laundry, let me email this person, let me set these meetings. Naturally, you start going into what can I do, what can I do, what can I do? But when we're talking about a fresh start in the kingdom, it is, yes, productivity. The work is important to God, but we also have to incorporate the fruitfulness. What am I bearing? What am I actually producing right now? If we're going to work at something, we should be working to be more like Jesus. I want you to consider this. I found this quote. It says, a fruitful tree is messy. It has abundance growing every which way. Every direction, the branches still reach outward. It also said, a fruitful tree is stationary, yet it still has growth and movement. You know why some of us are discouraged? Because you don't see the movement. You don't like being stationary. It doesn't feel like we're accomplishing enough. And yet, a fruitful tree can still be growing and have branches reaching in all sorts of directions. Bearing fruit is slow and intentional work, though. It takes intention when you're cultivating activities and relationships that you want to produce the fruit of the spirit. And this type of slow, intentional work is very countercultural to the world around us. The world says you need to go, 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 go. And in order to do that, you need to try this, try this, try this. Maybe it'll be that thing. And Paul says there are a lot of options for what you can do, but here's the one thing I do. I want to start over. I want a new beginning. There are a million different things I can do, but here's the one thing I'm going to do. I drop the dead weight. I press on because God is calling me into something more. You're being called to go to places you haven't been to. You're being called to have experiences you haven't had yet. You have no room for useless things. It is time to chase Jesus to bear fruit and to have that fruit sustain us even when times are going hard. Our resolutions, our productivity may not sustain us all year, but the fruit will. What you gonna eat when you get hungry? What you gonna eat when you get hungry? The deeper soul fruit, that's what sustains you. That's what you want from the beginning. Don't wait till we get to the fall. That's what you want from the beginning. I haven't perfected it, Paul says, but that's okay. I forget this. I turn. Sometimes you gotta get low to turn. I turn, I strain, I press forward to the prize and the goal of Jesus Christ. This week, if you're like me and you didn't have the start that you thought, or you think, man, I don't want to miss out on the beginning, right? I want to run with everybody else. This is our week. I'm praying over it. This is our week. 
And I hope this week that you take time not only to think about where it is that you want to be going, what it is that you need to be doing, but who are you becoming in the process? And do you have the fruit, the evidence of your relationship with the Lord? Let's pray. God, you make all things new. And it's not about a time or a moment. It's an eternal invitation to come in and to be made new, an eternal invitation to see improvement in the places where we need to change, the places where we might feel stuck. Father, I pray that you help us to forget everything that doesn't serve us and you make space so that this spring we can have more of Jesus than we've ever had before. We love you. There's no one else like you. We praise you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.